This episode of the MGMA podcast is brought to you by Walmart Business. It's the Walmart you love, now for business. Get everything you need for your staff and patients in one place. Enjoy big savings on health and safety products, cleaning supplies, over-the-counter medications, and much more. And don't forget the break room snacks. Create a free account today and start shopping at business.walmart.com. That's business.walmart.com. It's time to explore and find the answers you've been searching for with the new 2023 Data Dive data sets. The MGMA Provider Compensation and Production data set is one of the most comprehensive data sets in the industry, providing hospital and physician-owned practice data and compensation benchmarks for medical directorship, on-call, academic, and starting salaries. The 2023 data set represents nearly 190,000 providers from 6,800 groups spanning 250 specialties. With this valuable data, you can attract and retain the highest quality providers, drive more revenue through productivity, and keep costs contained. Learn more by visiting mgma.com slash data dive. Healthcare is complicated but you don't have to navigate the complexities alone. Care Allies collaborates with physician organizations to solve some of the toughest challenges on the path to value-based care. As your organization works to effectively manage your more vulnerable patient populations, enhance outcomes, and improve data analytics, Care Allies brings the people, technology, and processes to support you so you can focus on practicing medicine. Visit careallies.com to see how they can help to radically simplify value-based care. Hi everyone, I'm Daniel Williams, Senior Editor of MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Today, we welcome Brandy Mabra to the show. Brandy is the CEO of Clover Coaching and Consulting. Brandy's also a CEO coach for private practice owners in healthcare. Uh, I know many of our listeners are <laughs> private practice owners or leaders. So this is a great episode for y'all to tune into. So Brandy, welcome to the MGMA Insights Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I was looking uh about your uh, looking up your background. I was on LinkedIn. I was on your webpage and just preparing uh, to get to know you a little bit better. Um, I know that um, my boss, uh, the uh, content director, Andrew Haiti at MGMA, he had uh, uh, referred you to the MGMA podcast. He said, you'd be a great person to talk to. So that comes with a glowing review and referral. So that's good information. And um, also, when I was looking up your background, I saw that you had a master's degree. You can correct me on this. It looks like in health, healthcare administration and management. Um, we know that takes probably several years to get through a program like that. So I just wanted to go into your background a little bit. Um, 
and learn about where you first got interested in healthcare and healthcare administration? Yeah, yeah. Well, my healthcare journey actually started when I was five. Um, and my mom is an RN, my nana, my grandmother is an RN, and they actually went to nursing school together. And so I remember five years old sitting in front of an EKG machine and CCU and just being really intrigued by all the hustle and bustle and seeing my mom go to work. And so as I grew older, I ended up following in the healthcare path, actually through exercise physiology, doing inpatient and outpatient cardiac rehab, um, and ended up starting an internship for a cardiology practice. When I started the internship, I got a, a lot of great leadership experience, management experience uh, with that. And from that position, I moved from Ohio to North Carolina. And when I moved to North Carolina, I was put into a practice management position. I actually applied. It was like a supervisor type position, ended up turning into a practice management management position. And I knew clinical, I knew leadership, but I did not know business. So I decided to go ahead and pursue my master's. And that's what I saw that the CEO of the company had, of the practice had. And I followed that. So several years later especially at that time I was a single mom, um, I finally finished. So I'm really, really happy with it. It's definitely served me well um, and been complimentary to my journey. So, but I've been in healthcare forever. It's, it's, okay. you know, yeah. So that is, that is really cool. Did you, you said that your mom and, and grandma both were uh, on the nursing side of it. Mm -hmm. Did you entertain that at all or you knew you wanted to be on the administrative side or what? no I did I entertained it for a hot quick second until my mom she was in a period of burnout and she's like don't do it don't do it and you know you'll be tired and all these things and so I just said okay I won't do it and but <laughs> I still I still wanted to be in some capacity with healthcare. um okay. and so yeah all right that's awesome now you did mention being a single mom that's something that you have in your bio, you talk about that. You mm -hmm. talk about a really uh, compelling personal story uh, where you went from being, uh, I'm quoting you, I'm not okay. looking into your uh, bank accounts or anything. You said, from a bankrupt single mm -hmm. mom of a toddler to the breadwinner and CEO of your own company, mm -hmm. quite an accomplishment. Talk about that and talk about just owning that and being very transparent about your journey. Yeah, yeah. I find that, you know, it gives other people permission to not feel that they have to be perfect. We all have our struggles that we're facing and regardless of our walks of walks of life. And so for me, when I made that transition from Ohio to North Carolina, it was actually post bankrupts, you know, bank me bank filing bankruptcy and I needed a fresh start. So it was me and my son. So I moved to North Carolina, actually, with my last paycheck, no home, um, no job, you know, and essentially in a rental car. And so from that, when I got here to Charlotte, I was able to start a new and that's when I got my practice management job, I needed to get a new car, um, I ended up finding eventually a nice apartment. And so from there, I needed to make sure that my son was taken care of and that we were taken care of. Um, because as you can imagine, doing something like that can be embarrassing. I wasn't anticipating that, you know, especially going to school and getting my bachelor's. And I did not foresee the fact that I was going to have to file bankruptcy. But what that did do is it motivated me. So I went after jobs I wouldn't have. So even with the practice manager job that I ended up in, I probably would not have applied for a job like that 
if I didn't have my son and then for every promotion, you know, and so I've been able to end up in the C-suite. I've been able to manage, you know, hundred plus people. I've been able to work in, um, you know, hospital systems and small practices and big practices, do consulting work with, you know, um, payers and hospital systems and all kinds of things. And so it started off from me needing to, um, make sure that we were good. And then also along the way, I realized that I had a skill set. I enjoy the business side and it's been really great for me. And then from my business, I wanted to do more. I wanted to make more of an impact um, and knew that I could do more. So I started my own consulting company and, you know, in coaching and consulting and that's been awesome. So, you know, the people I get to work with every day, it's a blessing the lives that I've been able to change, it's a blessing. And so I believe that everything that we do has a purpose. And when you step in your purpose, then great things happen from that. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that story. Um, now, many of our MGMA members and listeners are women. Um, uh, I just wanted you to, you shared your story. So I wanted you to share some of the keys that you found for women, women in helping them navigate to leadership roles in healthcare. We had seen some studies here at MGMA where um, women do make up the majority of, of employees and workers in healthcare. Not the same when you get to that executive level. And so wanted you to just share some ideas where women can strike a work-life balance that they're happy with, comfortable with, but also if they do want to go to that executive level, you know, what are some of the keys to doing that? Yeah, I would say for me, I had to give myself permission to go after the career I wanted, right? Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes as women and as mothers, we feel guilt. We feel that we need to be at home. We need to make sure our kids feel supported. We've you know, definitely put them before, our, before us. And so I had to really rework that um, and decide what my version of balance looked like. You know, my version of balance and with maybe someone who might be listening, their version of balance is probably gonna be different. So getting really clear on what does that life look like? What does that lifestyle look like? When you think about balance, you know, what does that entail when it comes to the day-to-day? -day? And so for me, I had to get really clear on the activities I was working on, giving myself permission to not have to do everything and being very transparent of, hey, I would love to be able to participate in this, but at this time I can't, or can I, you know, maybe give it to you next week? Um, I had a habit of just wanting to be supportive and definitely be a good team member of overextending myself. And so that was one of the things that I had to realize too, is where was some opportunities for growth for me as a professional um, in order to make sure that I was able to balance the way that I needed to. And so with that, I, again, I ended up in some really great roles. I was able to work remote. Um, so before even pre-COVID, when working from home was a thing, I've been working from home. And so even a lot of the executive positions that I took, there was that remote possibility for me that I made sure that was in there because I knew I needed the work-life balance. So I've been able to take my kids to school every single day um, and pick them up. You know, on some days though, I needed to ask for help. And so I find two women sometimes don't want to ask for help. And so I had to make sure, put my pride to the side and ask for help. And if I needed my mother to help or um, you know, a friend or someone just to help me with that, then I've been able to do that. So. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that You're with welcome. us. Now, currently you are CEO coach for private practice owners in healthcare. That rings a bell for MGMA members. That is a, a majority uh, 
of ours come from those private practices, those physician-owned practices. So what is it about private practices and private practice leaders that you really connected with and wanted to make your focus? We need them. <laughs> you know, I, you know, a lot of who I work with, um, they started their practice, but they had the clinical knowledge, clinical training, because they're mostly practitioners, and they decided to start a practice. Um, but the day-to-day business side is challenging, you know, and so many of them, even if they hire an office manager, um, they still have to lead that office manager. Sometimes they don't have the budget to hire a really experienced office manager that can come in and rework everything. Um, so they need to learn how to do it. And so I would love to say that when I started my business, it was I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. But ultimately, through different podcast interviews or just me marketing myself, um, it's been where they've reached out to me asking for help. And just saying, you know, I need to learn more about the business side. I need to learn how to run my practice. I need to learn how to pay attention to my money. I need to make sure I have the right partners in place. You know, things feel really chaotic. I know that operationally things are off. Um, and so I found a perfect market for me. And so I teach them the business side. I can I do mentorship, coaching, and then consulting piece too. But there's ultimately the program that I have that they go through. Um, and so there's a whole curriculum that they get and, you know, and so it's really fun just to watch the transformation and to watch them become more confident in the, and stepping fully into the vision that they have for their practice compared to playing small, because they don't feel that they can even grow the practice to the capacity that they want to. Okay. Um, give us an idea then of these private practices you're working with. What's kind of the demographic of the you know, the size and scope uh, of the practices that you tend to work with? What do they look like? They are at the beginning stage, some of them, but they're right. They're hiring maybe their first provider or Mm -hmm. hiring like their first admin. And then I have clients that I work with privately that have 20 plus providers um, that they've been able to, that they've been able to, um, grow, like grow the practice of that capacity from a revenue standpoint, multi-six, seven-figure, eight-figure, um, you know, from that. And so it's been really fun just to see if the either refining things or we're building it, you know, from the ground up just to make sure that they're, that they're off to a good start and that the foundation is strong. Okay. Now you're working with, as you said, anything from one provider to 20 providers, maybe mm-hmm. 20 providers plus, um, what are some of those uh, common pain points that these practice leaders come to you with? What are they struggling with? Oh, working too many hours. I will say that that's probably the number one thing. Um, working too many hours, they want to spend time with their families. A lot of them are often really close to burnout. They want to close the practice down. I've had a seven-figure practice owner come to me and say, I want to sell my practice for a dollar because I'm so tired. Um, you know, a lot of transition when it comes to team, especially because of everything we've gone through with, you know, the great resignation and quiet quitting and all of these things they're feeling at too. Um, but they're not as equal equipped as maybe somebody who has a stronger leadership team to handle those types of things. So they're handling it on their own and not knowing how to handle it or, or great ways to handle it. All they feel is the stress and overwhelm of that. So it's usually the hours that they're working. Um, Some of the other pain points is they're losing money. Um, You know, so financial stress, Um, some of it is that they just know that there's a better way to do things and they recognize that, but they don't know what. So even for a call that I just got off of, 
they're not sure where to start. They know that there's a problem. They know that there's an opportunity to make things better, but they've been able to grow. But what do I do now? You know, what's that next step? What's that next phase? What does that look like to be more efficient, um, to be more effective when it comes to the leadership and the operations part of the practice? Yeah, with the owners, practice leaders that you're working with, um, are they basically wearing all the hats? I mean, are they kind of running every aspect of the practice, so to speak? And so you're basically helping them everything from the rev cycle, financial management to the operational side of it and staffing and HR. I mean, every are they coming to you with every kind of question because they're dipping into every one of those yeah. topic areas? Yeah, or they've hired a team and they're not allowing their team to do the job that they've hired them for because that's their baby, that's their practice. They don't want them to mess it up. So some of it is where they have office managers, they have leadership, they have billers, they have schedulers, but they're not leveraging the team to the full capacity or that team doesn't have the resources that to be successful. So lack of policy procedures, lack of um, you know, company culture, lack of company handbooks, you know, all of those things. It's very, some of them are very makeshift. Um, so just coming in and help them make things more efficient and effective as they're running the practice. And then ultimately to making sure that they're, they're confident in their leadership skills as they're having some of the conversations that they need to have. Let's look at a success story. We're talking about the pain points, but let's talk about a, a success story. Um, what does that look like? Walk us through, um, you've identified those pain points and how you help them, you know, build a more efficient practice with better outcomes. Yeah, yeah. What it looks like is they're tracking metrics. What it looks like is they are now paying attention to their money. They're utilizing their EHR systems with all the reporting that they need to look at. Um, they are more empowered when it comes to their teams. You know, they know how to hire, they know how to fire, they are partnering with HR, you know, instead of trying to do it with for themselves. Um, yeah, it's really fun to watch the transformation. I will say from a financial standpoint, you know, I had a multi-six figure practice owner and now she's over seven figures. She has an office manager that's really running the day-to-day -day and she's able to go and focus on real estate because that's one of the goals that she had. And so mm -hmm. it's it's fun just to see what their version of success looks like, but they're working less hours. Um, they're feeling again, more prepared, more empowered. Um, they're taking the stress off knowing that this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so every day is a matter of making progress and everything, every day, everything's not going to be perfect. I know with the number of practices that I've worked in, there's, we're always breaking something, right? And so it's a matter of understanding, you know, what it, we always say, well-oiled. Well, what does that mean? You know, at this point in time, what's well-oiled compared to what's well-oiled next year is going to look different. It's going to look different. So I think that transformation coming from overwhelmed stress to being empowered, understanding your practice on a deeper level is truly what the transformation is all about. And so it's fun to watch. Okay. So in researching you, I found a blog you wrote last year. It appeared in entrepreneur.com. The title was five common mistakes leaders make and how to fix them. So what's the number one mistake you've identified uh, for owners, leaders that they're having as a major challenge in their careers? 
At this point in time, the number one thing is just not giving them the time that they need for themselves. At the basis of everything, you have to be good. And that's regardless of your position. So even, you know, leaders, practice leaders, CEOs, business owners, at the core of who you are, you have to be good. So your mindset has to be strong. Um, how you take care of yourself has to be strong. I know that there was plenty of days where I would sit there and drink coffee all day because I was tired. Um, and that wasn't good for anybody, right? There's mm-hmm. moments and times where I've yelled at my son, uh, because of stress at work and, you know, and that's not good for him, you know? And so at the end of the day, you have to make sure that you are set up for success and that you're taking care of you because everything starts and ends with you. So right. if you are there leading that practice, you have to be strong, Um, You can't be the one, you know, freaking out if your team is freaking out. And so that takes um, that takes strength and it takes focus and it's hard. So you have to you have to make sure that you're in a good place first. So I think that's been the number one thing that I've learned. If not, then you'll burn out. So, yeah, for sure. I think the one good thing uh, about drinking coffee all day, it's good for the coffee industry. It helps. It is. It is. As I sit here with my Starbucks. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I have to go get some coffee after this. This is a, a good way to go here. Um, as we're winding down here, I've got just a couple of things. So I really would like for you to just share with us some resources for our listeners. They might want to know more uh, about how to become a better practice leader, a better practice owner, if that's the hat that they're wearing. Um, but in any case, just where can they go? What can they expect to learn to, uh, you know, follow your lead there? Yeah, um, well, I'm really big when it comes to, um, you know, reading and podcasts and things. And so right now, Beyond Entrepreneurship um, is a a book that I highly recommend, especially if you are running your own practice and trying to create something out of nothing in every stage of business. I think that that's a really good book. So that book is- What was the book? I'm not sure. Beyond entrepreneurship. So it talks, yeah. And it talks about every single um, element of business, you know, from business culture, leadership, vision, mission, operations, setting up your schedule, planning. I mean, everything is in that book. So it's a bright yellow book. Um, And so it's by Jim Collins and Bill Lazier. So it's a really great one. Um, You know, the other one is five dysfunctions of a team, you know, by Patrick Leone um, or Lencioni. Mm-hmm. I Jack really messed that up. But anyways, five dysfunctions of a team um, is another one that I highly recommend. And yeah, so those are the two. And then, of course, attending conferences and MGMA, mm-hmm. you know, that's definitely been part of my journey, too. So and if they wanted to get in touch with you, what's your website? Where would they go? Yeah, so you can actually go to SavvyClover.com. So S-A-V-V-Y-C-L-O-V-E-R.com. Um, you can find me there. So there is a monthly seminar that I host every single month um, in order to help you with your practice. And there's also some free resources there for a business self-checklist and all the good things too. So. All right. Well, Brandy, thanks so much for joining us and sharing these insights with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Insights Podcast. Thanks again to Brandy Mabra, CEO of Clover Coaching and Consulting, and a CEO coach for private practice owners in healthcare. And thanks to you for listening to the MGMA Podcast Network.
The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all want to know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage. When it comes to improving margins, accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance, there's a one-stop shop using cloud-based predictive analytics. MGMA Analytics is your AI-enabled tool that upscales technology you've already been paying for, so you can silo your disparate systems and make data-backed business decisions. Visit mgma.com analytics and see how AI can revolutionize your finances and operations. Again, visit mgma.com analytics today.